So, well, it's great to be here. Good morning. So, and uh, Steve said, my name's Carl. I come from uh, Gateway Church in Ashford. So I've brought my wife, uh, two of my children over uh, with me as, uh, as well. So my children are gradually growing. So one or two of you that know me kind of probably remember uh, my, uh, my, my daughter being born many, many years ago. And uh, she's now 16 and almost as tall as me. I've got a 13-year-old boy who is taller than me. So, um, so yeah, so I've had to go back to God and deal with certain insecurities about height and stature. Um, I'm almost there. I'm almost there. But there we go. But God is awesome, isn't he? God is just awesome. And, and I, I am just continually blown away by just the majesty of our Lord. And, uh, and I, I get the privilege of spending quite a bit of time uh, in and amongst uh, uh, just, just unbelievers um, and, and just sharing faith. We're, we're, we're uh, in, uh, where are we, at the Norton Natchable School at the moment, Christian Union, and uh, they invited us to come in and, and just do something. We've put together a course, I'll tell you more about that later, called Christianity Unwrapped. But just to talk a little bit about evolution versus creation, science, other religions, uh, you, you know, and just this is, now this room, I, I turned up at this Christian Union. Um, thinking it'd be full of Christians, and, and it wasn't. It was it was 50% full of people who would actually say we're atheists. So I thought this is interesting. So the questions that were coming out were wonderful. But one guy came up to me at the end, and he said, "Thank you so much." He said, "You know," he said, "I am an atheist, but I don't want to be. I don't want to be." He said, "Actually, he said my heart," he said, "is to discover that there's something more." He said. And fall in love with what you've fallen in love with, but I just can't see it at the moment. So I pray for him because it's God that saves; it's not me. You know, I can talk to him, I can share my faith with him, but I do pray. I do pray for him. But it's wonderful. But but all I spend my time doing is actually pointing people to the majesty of God and the greatness of God. But you see, if you go back to Genesis, the very beginning of the Bible, it talks about God. And it's almost like a throwaway comment, isn't it? God created the heavens and the earth. But stop and think about that for a moment. If you go outside on a, on, on, on a brilliantly dark, well, a dark night, the stars are shining. You look at every one of those stars and the Bible says God just flung them into place. That's what it says. This is how great and how awesome our God is. And when you look at the majesty of creation, and it's, it's a throwaway comment in the word. But then what does it say? It said that he took time over you and me. It says the very hairs on our heads are numbered, that he cares for us, he loved us. And the whole book is is not a history of the world and creation. It's a history of God's dealing with mankind. Because every single one of you in here has eternal significance. I need to hear that. Every single one of you in here has eternal significance. God loves each and every one of you. Each and every one of you. Every one of you here are the apple of his eye. And what we were hearing this morning is just absolutely wonderful. You know, this idea of God coming down to us. God rescuing us. God calling us to be his own. And when you look right from the very beginning, it's the time that he takes with man, and ever since it's the time that he takes mankind. So when it comes to mission, and when, when, when everything I want to talk about, when I want to set that against that backdrop. Actually, every single man and woman and child out there was created in the image of God. Every single one, not just some of them. 
And let's be honest, some people aren't lovely, are they? <laughs> you know? Some people, yeah, I, 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 I have next to me, we've moved into Ashford recently, um, and uh, I, I, I had the privilege of serving on the staff there uh, in, in Ashford, and, um, and we moved into the house, uh, this house finally, we've been waiting a long time to, to move, it, 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 lots of blocks. And we got into this street, and uh, we got to meet one couple who lived next door to us, it's great. Uh, next door, there's a house with six rooms in it. Six rooms, and, and it's all kind of single guys. And, uh, and I was speaking on hospitality one Sunday morning and, and, and showing the kindness of the Lord. And it's funny how God tests you, isn't it, the night before. So, so the night before, um, I was at early hours of the morning, um, doom, 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 doom. Queen is now playing um, till four o'clock in the morning. So I kind of, in the end, I kind of tapped on the wall and, and the abuse that came back was very interesting. I said, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, oh, Lord. You know, I've got, how do I deal with this? Now, I've got to say, actually, there were times where one or two of those people would come out the front door and my heart towards them wasn't one of blessing. <laughs> it wasn't one that kind of said, well, you go have a lovely day, please. It was more a case of, when are you moving? You know, it was, it was that sort of idea. But God challenged me. God challenged me. And he said, you know, each one of those people in that house was created in my image. So a couple of weeks ago, I'm working on my car, and I'm thinking, you know, the guy that lives in this house, wouldn't it be lovely just to go and talk to him and say hello? And sure enough, two minutes later, he walks out the front of his house, and he just sits on his wall. This chap who likes to play his music really loud. I think, what do you do? What do you do? So, so I thought, well, I'll go in and get a cup of coffee, and that'll give me a chance to walk past him. So I went up and chatted to him. I said, hello, my name's Carl. We haven't had a chance to talk. And, uh, and he said, hello. He said, I'm the noisy what's-it, but he didn't use that word. Um, he said, I'm the noisy what's-it who lives next door. And, uh, and, and I said, oh, and we just got talking about it and talking about his life, and I just took a bit of interest in his life. Do you know what? He's dialed it down. He's dialed it down. Because I took the time to spend a bit of time with him. Now, you know, you might be thinking, oh, you know, has he got saved? No, he hasn't. You know, all I've done is I've shown something of the love of God, okay, to this individual who was created in God's image. You turn to Isaiah 61 for me, please. It's a well-known verse. Jesus said this, he said, the Spirit of the Lord God is on me. This is what Jesus says later on. But this is, it's, it's, um, so this is prophesied in Isaiah. And then Jesus later on um, says this about himself. He says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favourable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. Sorry if I started reading that before you got there. Um, I was told that I've got three hours this morning, um, but I wanted to get through in two and a half, if that's okay. So I'm forgetting. So, so. Those of you that know me know that that's not far from the truth sometimes. So Jesus said this to me. He said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. To bring good news to the afflicted. Um, I had the privilege of travelling uh, overseas with a job that I had, and I went to Canada uh, one year. And the first year I went to Canada, I got on a train, and I, I got on this train, and I went from Montreal to Ottawa. 
and uh, and 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 as I'm on this on this train, um, I sit on this train this cash, and this lady comes up to me. She's she's the stewardess. They had stewardesses on trains. I just thought they had them on planes, but no, this this stewardess. She comes up to me. She says, "Oh, hello." She said, and she introduces herself to me. She asks me her uh, my name, and I tell her my name. She says, "Can you come with me? I just want to show you some things." And and she walks me through the security procedures for the train. I'm thinking, this is great. On a plane, you've got one person at the front doing all this. you know. But on the train, it's personal. She walks in, she shows me where the hammer is. She shows me how to break the door, everything. I figured, I feel really safe. And then she invited me to sit back down. She then turned to the rest of this full carriage. And she said, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. She said, I am your stewardess. And in the event of an emergency, I'd just like to highlight this gentleman, Carl, to you, who is now fully conversant with all of our emergency procedures. And should there be a problem, he will show you the way. I am sinking in my chat, and I'll tell you honestly, on the way back, I sat in the middle of the carriage and not at the end. Did you know that each one of you has the rescue plan. Each one of you here has been given the breakout plan. We have it. We have it. When the Spirit of God comes to live inside you, and when he lives inside of me, we have the breakout plan. We can show the way. There is a world that is out there that is hurting, that is dying, that is in desperate need of hope and salvation. And do you know what? We have the answer. The answer to a dying and hurting world is God's church. It's God's church. God didn't create mission for the church. He created the church for mission. Because right from the very beginning, in Genesis, God's heart was for mankind. It was for mankind. It was a rescue plan set in motion right from the very beginning. My heart is relationship, fellowship with you, mankind, man and woman, child, all of you. I want to be in perfect relationship with you. That's God's heart. And when sin came into the world through Adam and Eve, God at that point set in motion the rescue plan. Not... A thousand years, two thousand years later. It was there right from the very beginning. Right from the very beginning. And when Jesus came and when the church was birthed, the church was birthed for the purpose of taking God's glorious message of hope and salvation to the world. So we're called to do that. And I make no apologies for being caught up in that. I got saved when I was 20 by the grace of God. I did not come from a Christian family. I did not also, though, come from a a, a history of drugs and violence. Actually, I was going about life very nicely, thank you very much. Yes, I'd had some difficult times. I met Pam, who is now my wife. She was a Christian, but she'd fallen away. So we moved in together, and we we just enjoyed life together. But she would challenge me, because God was pricking her conscience, saying, maybe this isn't right. And she would, she would debate with me and I would debate with her and I would gradually be losing the argument, but I'd never let her know that. So, um, so I would say things to keep her quiet. And one day I said to her, actually, I'll go and investigate this, this, this God stuff then um, when I get a moment. And the following day we walked past the church office and she goes, oh, 
Look, there's a church, it happens to be the City Church in Canterbury. There's a church office. You could find out about that God stuff if you wanted to. I said, now that I know where it is, I will come back sometime. She said, oh no, you don't. She pushes me through the door. I go through the door and I'm stood there. There's an evangelist, there's the, the church leader and there's the administrator all around the photocopier having one of those, those, those spiritual moments, I'm sure. And I just walked through the door and I went, hello, my name's Carl and I'd like to know more about God, is it? And obviously all jaws hit the ground. The evangelist was fastest to pull it up, got hold of me. Three weeks later, I was wonderfully, radically saved. I fell in love with Jesus and I was baptised within two days because that's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. I wanted to go God's way. Now, I'm not saying it's been easy. We've had some very rough years. We've had some very, I've wobbled at times. Which in my heart has always been to go Jesus' way. And when I go Jesus' way, I can't help but fall in love with the lost. Because God's heart is for the lost. God's heart is for mankind. God breaks his heart. His heart is broken and he grieves. When we look at the news, I don't know, I mean, news, most news isn't good news, is it? You know, when you look at it now, you just look at it on the TV. And sometimes I'd rather read it rather than watch it sometimes because I find it quite distressing. Uh, somebody was telling me the other day, did you know, I think it's 536 abortions every day now in the UK. 536 every day. That's life. Created in the image of God as we looked at at the beginning. Created in the image of God. And snuffed out. Does it break God's heart? Of course it does. Should it break our hearts? Of course it should. Should it motivate us into mission? Of course it should. Matthew 28, 16 to 20, you know this, the Great Commission. Where Jesus comes and and he commissions his disciples. And sometimes I think this is seen as a great suggestion. You may have heard of that, you know. It's God's kind of idea. I've, I've got an idea. I'll tell you what. Why, why don't you go into, you know, if you've got a moment, why don't you go into the world and, and tell them some of the good things that, that, that I've done. You know, but only if, uh, only if you can. Only if you can get round to it. That is not God's heart. Mission should be an integral part of all that we do as a church. <coughs> I know Graham and John, the elders back at um, uh, Gateway Church in Ashford, love them to bits. Got a great heart. And, and when, when, when Graham said to me, um, you know, we want to invite you onto the staff and, and just, just, just come and do kind of what you do. And, uh, and, and, he's got, and I said, look, it's, it's going to take time, Graham. It's gonna, he said, that's fine. It's going to take time. But just gradually, as a church, to turn our heart as a body of believers for mission. To say, well, actually, mission isn't just a tack on. You can have it in some, sometimes, can't you? Well, I'll tell you what, you know, we do this bit today, and we do this bit tomorrow, and then at the end of the week, um, oh, we'll have a missional activity. And that's not what we're called to do. Mission should be part and parcel of everything that we do, all the time, where we live. It should be in our streets, yeah, in our workplaces. Wherever you go, you are the soul and light of the world. You are. You're called to be that. You're called to be that message of hope and salvation. And I am not ashamed to say that. Every time I've been in the workplace, I've made a point of saying two things. Firstly, to say that I'm married. 
Why? Because I believe in just protecting relationships. Okay, and actually, so I say that I'm married and I have children. Okay, and, 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 and this is it, and I make that very clear because what goes on in the workplace shocked me sometimes. And particularly when I was travelling overseas, you have to be careful. So I would up front, everyone that I would meet, you know, hello, my name's Carl, I'm married, I've got kids, you know, this is my life. I, I'd do that. And the second thing is I would make sure that people knew I was a Christian. Because the longer you delay in getting it out there, actually the harder it is to get it out there. Isn't it? It's true. So I make a point of just saying it. Just being honest about it. And it's amazing the effect that it has. There are things that people wouldn't say around me at work because they'd, oh, that's not what Carl does. I remember one time being at work, they brought a a stripper into work in the hospital at lunchtime because it was somebody's birthday in the kitchens. At lunchtime. I said, that's okay. I'll hold the fort. You guys, I mean, I don't agree with what you're doing, but, you you know, and and I'll tell you now it's wrong. And I said, and actually what you're doing in terms of devaluing your human life and treating that woman as an object is wrong. I don't don't believe in what you're doing and I'm not going to be part of it. So I'll go out here and I'll carry on working. It was interesting. It was a few ladies that actually came up to me afterwards and said, "Why, why did you do that? None of the blokes did, but some of the ladies did. Because I think inside, actually, they weren't pleased with what was going on. They struggled with what was going on. Because actually that just fuels what they have to contend with and what they have to go through in terms of not being valued in men's eyes and how men would see them. You see, we have to stand up wherever we go. Church, we're called. We are called to be God's vessel of hope to this world. And so we should. We should make a stand wherever we go. Now, I'm not talking about getting on a soapbox. We can do that sometimes. So, you know, I'm not talking about street corner preaching every day. Every, you know, I don't do that. In fact, I don't do that very often now. I've done it. You know, I remember preaching on the streets of Canterbury and being so blessed by God, thinking, what's the way? I, mean, I was really nervous the first time I did it. But 120 people stopped and listened, and I thought, God, this is so you. Then I went and preached on the streets of Dover, and one person, one person, and all he did was stood in my face and scream at me, get away from here! Well, this is a bit different, you know. So, so I'm not always a big fan of, of that, but 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 you know, you hear what I'm saying. You hear what I'm saying. Okay, we're called to be salt and light in the workplace and wherever we go. You know, as a church, we are called to do that. Can you turn to Luke chapter five for me, please? Incidentally, I know I joked about three hours. Roughly how long are we, what time do you normally aim to? 12 o'clock. 12 o'clock, is that okay? 12 o'clock? We're up good, okay. Right, Luke chapter 5, 27 um, to 32. Listen to this. And after that, he, being Jesus, went out and noticed a tax gatherer named Levi sitting in the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. And he left everything behind and he rose and he began to follow him. Can I just say on that point, sometimes we believe that Jesus must have floated around and he'd say things like, ooh, follow me, follow me. And people would just like, we'll follow you. you know? And it's just like, we see this as this kind of real spiritual moment. And that doesn't help when we come to sharing the gospel. Because when we come to share the gospel and I start to share it and I say, what do you think about that? And people say, oh, I don't know, really. Oh, I don't know, I'd like to find out a little bit more. And we think, well, it's not as easy as it was in Jesus' day. I don't think it was like that. 
I have no doubt that Jesus would have chatted with him, would have spent time with him. The guy would have seen something. He would have been caught up with who Jesus was. And at that point, he made a decision to leave his life behind and go Jesus' way. And go Jesus' way. And that's helpful with mission. Because otherwise, we get into this super spirituality that really doesn't bless us when it comes to sharing our faith. And you know, all of you okay, have the same power... The same power that rose Christ from the dead, that caused Christ to rise from the dead, living inside of you. Living inside of you. Each one of you, okay, can lay hands on the sick and they can get well. Because God has chosen to work through us. Isn't that great? It's not your power, it's God's power. Do you know, each one of you can speak, can speak the gospel, because the gospel is what? The power of God under salvation. You can share the gospel, and as you speak it, men and women will be saved. I was sat talking to someone in the coffee shop at the corner. So I'm getting away from, um, from the reading here. Is that right? So, um, I was sat in the coffee shop. We were sat in the coffee shop at the corn store. The corn store is this furniture project that we've got, um, a kind of ministering into the needs of the community. But we try to keep it the, the main thing, the main thing, as Graham would say. Okay, we keep the main thing. The main, what is the main thing? It's the mission. It's actually that we're not there to bless people with furniture, even though we do that. We are there to see souls won for Christ and the kingdom advance. So we will continually look at everything that we do as a church, and we will say, is it matching up to our vision and to the mission that Jesus has given us? We say, what is the vision for this project? Why are we doing it? And if it hasn't got somewhere in it to see the lost one, then we need to either rewrite the vision or maybe drop the project. Because it just becomes a dead duck, doesn't it, really? So anyway, so we're in the coffee shop. Okay, the vision is to see people come through. We've got a guy who's been wonderfully healed. He's been uh, four, four breaks in his legs. He's, he comes from the Nigerian, um, no, not the Zimbabwean army. He was an officer for 23 years. Came on an alpha course. I remember saying to him um, about forgiveness. I talked to him about the forgiveness of God, how God had forgiven him and how he would need to forgive others. He was so angry at me because he'd been so wronged in the army. He's like, how could you say this? This guy, a few weeks later, gets wonderfully saved. And then I'm talking to him, and he's a typical African. He won't mind me saying this. He's a good friend now. He's a typical African. He sits at home. Okay, His wife, she works because he was disabled. She, she was working. She'd come home. She'd cook. She'd clean or whatever. And he would just sit there. And I said to him, George, you've got you've to honour your wife. You've got to support your wife. You've got to help your wife a bit. And he said, come round to my house and let me tell you why I can't do that. And I got, we spent days talking through all the problems he had with his leg and how he couldn't walk and how much pain he was in. God has a wonderful sense of humour. A week later, he sat there. He's going, oh, Graham goes up to me. He says, you're right, George. He says, yeah, my leg is so sore. He says, let me pray for you. He prayed for him. Do you know what? God didn't heal one of those breaks. He didn't heal two. He didn't heal three. He healed all four breaks in that man's leg. He now walks. He looks 10 years younger because he's not on painkillers. He doesn't use crutches. He can now clean his house. God is good. God is good. So anyway, yeah, so I was in the coffee shop. And I'm sat there, and George brings this friend who's now seen this healing. He's seen this healing. And this guy sat there, and, and, he, he, says, and he says to me, he, uh, he says, I just want to find out a little bit more. And George said, you'd probably explain it to me. So I said, okay. So I just talked him through the gospel. I talked him through that. I just talked him through the scripture. I said, you know, you are created in the image of God. You are the apple of God's eye. You know, you're separate from God, but God wants that relationship with you. And I took him through the gospel. And I said to him, what do you think about that? And I'm expecting the usual. Oh, yeah, that sounds nice. Yeah, oh, that's a lovely story. I really like that. Do you know what he said to me? He said, I want with all my heart and all my being, he said, to meet a Jesus like that. I was like, whoa. 
That's really cool. Okay. Oh, well, um, you can. You can. It's really cool. And we prayed him and he gave his life to the Lord. And we're just beginning to see it. We're seeing it. We're seeing it. But it's not easy. It's not easy. And it's not this sense of, ooh, follow me. So anyway, that, that was just an aside from, um, from that point. So let's carry on. So Levi, he gave a big reception um, uh, for Jesus um, in his house. And there was a great crowd of tax gatherers, uh, gatherers and other people who were reclining at the table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes began grumbling um, at his disciples. Why do you drink um, and eat with the tax gatherers and the sinners? And Jesus answered them and he said this. He said, it is not those who are well who need a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. What does it mean to recline with sinners? What does it mean? I've thought about this long and hard. And it was, it was probably summer, um, during the summer, that God really opened my eyes to this. Because what we see is we see Jesus. If we want to follow his example, we want to go his way. Actually, he will, he will, if we allow God to shake us, he will shake us out of our pews and he will shake us into the world to go and be salt and light. We can't be salt and light here unless God performs some miracle and hundreds of people start coming in through the door. I don't know about your experience, but my experience is that doesn't happen. So we're called to go out into the world. And so we say, Jesus, come have your way in our lives. I've said this. And Jesus says, okay, go out to the drunkard. Go out to the sinner. Go out and talk to the man on the street. And as we're doing that, we're finding God is adding to us. So a f- couple of months ago, we've got our small group gathered in our place. We've got a lady who got saved last year um, in our small group. She's got some of her um, uh, uh, kids there. She's got some relatives there. I've got one of my neighbours now who's coming, one of these guys from next door. got all these various people come in. It's a mixture of Christians and non-Christians. But they are all my friends. And they're in our house. And we're reclining, we're chatting. And one of them, um, he's, got this, he's got his phone and he's got these images that he's pulling up. And he's trying to show them to someone in our small group. And this guy's going, I really don't want to see that. And you know, we've got all these things kind of going on. And, and I think this is really interesting. Somebody else talking about, you know, how they got drunk the night before. And I'm thinking, so, and in the midst of all of that, I said, well, actually, we're a small group. We're a body. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. Because we continue to stand for what we believe. Being a friend of sinners doesn't mean that we compromise our beliefs or we begin to do what sinners do. Actually, what it means is we make a stand. So I said, we're going to pray. If you're comfortable with prayer and you want to join us, please do. If you don't, my kitchen is open. You know where the kettle is. Please help yourself. Some went downstairs, helped themselves to some coffee. Some stayed with us and we prayed. At the end of that evening, when everyone went home, one guy came up to me and he said, can I have a chat with you, please? And we go into the kitchen, we're having a chat, and we're now talking. He starts to offload about an alcohol problem that he has, about a smoking problem. Um, He just wants to to be set free. He said, I want to be set free. I said, well, you're only going to find life, you're only going to be set free if you find Jesus. So I start to talk to him about Jesus. It's the summer holidays, my son is now staying with a friend. Um, Some of these people had come to small group as well. Whilst I'm beginning to minister to this guy, my telephone rings. Dad, I've got to this house. There's all sorts of weird things happening. He said, there's a horror channel just appeared on a TV that's not connected. He said, doors are flying open. Stuff's flying down the stairs. He said, all this weird stuff's going, what do we do? I said, give me five minutes. I'll be there, my son. 
I ring up one of the elders in the church. I said, this is what's going on. Let's go pray. So we get round to this house. And sure enough, all this stuff is going on. Well, we bind it. We deal with it in the name of Jesus because he is the greatest authority. Okay, He is over all things. We pray for it. We deal with it. But the issue is, is not what was in the house. But actually, some of these people aren't saved and we don't want it to get back in. So I invite them all in and I say, right now, let me just tell you what Jesus has done for you. So I tell them what Jesus has done for them. Okay, we pray and we break fear. Okay, one of them goes, I didn't even believe stuff like this happened. He was this great big bloke. He'd been full of bravado until the point we got to the front door. He's, oh, I'll deal with it. I'll deal with it. And then when we got there, he went, actually, over to you. I'll stay out here. You know, it's all right. And off he goes. And off we go. And we go and pray. Two weeks later, one of the other men that was there, 19-year-old lad, gives his life to the Lord. I feel God say to me, now's the time. I go and say to him, can we have another chat? Have another chat with him. Lead him to the Lord. It's wonderful. Jesus reclined with sinners, with tax collectors. God's heart is that the world would come to him. But the vessel, the message of hope comes through you and I. And unless we go out there, you know, we hear these stories. Why do we hear these stories? Why do we get these stories? Because we are daring to take God at his word. We are daring to every day. And, and, and I have to do this. I have to say, Lord, every day, just, just fill me with your spirit. Just guide me. I don't know where I'm going sometimes. Sometimes I get up in the morning. You know, I haven't got a clue. I didn't know that I was going to lead that guy to the Lord that afternoon. It was actually during a crash. I was helping out with a crash because the crash worker hadn't turned up on a Thursday morning at an event that we were running. And I'm sat there doing this crash. And I was quite begrudging, if I'm honest. I'm sat there going, Lord, I'm just doing this crash. And why am I doing it? I've got so many important things I could be doing. And here I am looking after kids. Do you know what I mean? Lord, this isn't right. This is why I was saying that. So I'm grumbling in my heart. And God said to me, just see what I do today. And by the end of the day, I'm going home and I'm rejoicing because I'm taking this young man home. And I'm saying to his family, well, he's saying to his family, I found Jesus today. I found Jesus today. Jesus was a friend of sinners, and we're called to be a friend of sinners too. In all of this, God would challenge us that we need to have compassion. If you go back to Isaiah 61, it says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because he has called me to go to the brokenhearted, to the poor, to the afflicted, to those who are struggling. In this world. And by poor, I don't mean materially poor. Sometimes we can hear the word poor and we can think, oh, well, it means that if they haven't got enough money to, 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 to pay um, the bills at the end of the week, then that's who Jesus is sending us to. That's not true. That's not true. We're just about to plant into a new area. It gives all the appearances of being an affluent area. I was talking to the mayor of the town recently. He said, you scratch through just the surface, he said, and there is a whole raft of issues he said, just waiting, he said, to come out. He said, I'm quite excited that you guys are coming. You know, this is the mayor. Because he sees the veneer, he sees the superficiality, and he sees the desperation in the lives just beneath the surface. But we can't do any of that. The more we press into God, the more we worship, the more we, 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 we walk in God's way, actually what you will find is God will begin to break your hearts. People are not projects. We run a furniture project, but the people aren't the project, the furniture is. Do you see the difference? 
And we do that so often. We can see people as numbers. We can see people as, pro- oh, how many people are we going to get to our service? You know, and we can do it. I, it's so unhelpful. If you do that, can I say don't? I used to do that. I remember we, we had an evangelistic event. And it's this big thing. We had this big name speaker. I wanted 100 people there. We got 97 people there. I was disappointed and I grumbled. 97 people who hadn't heard the gospel before or certainly weren't Christians had come to this event and I was disappointed because we didn't hit the magic number of 100 that I believe, you know, I'd felt God had given me or whatever. We deal in numbers so often because that's the society we live in. Targets and numbers and statistics, isn't it? All the time. That's what we're dealing in. People are not numbers. Every single person you meet, the person who cuts you up with a supermarket trolley in Tesco's, you want a ram, is created in the image of God, is loved by God, and one day will spend an eternity either with God or in hell. Because hell is a very real place. It's a very real place. You know, the one thing the church won't be doing when it gets to heaven, it won't be witnessing. Mission will have ceased. Because those that are lost will then be lost. For eternity. Every person that you look at, every person that you look at is eternal. It's not that they become a Christian and suddenly they become eternal. They are an eternal being already. And they have one destination or another. And we have the wonderful privilege of going along with Jesus Christ on this mission to rescue some of them. That's cool, isn't it? That is so cool. But we need God's compassion. Because if without it, actually we're motivated in the wrong way. And then we, we have this idea, well, you know, that's a sinner. I'm, I'm, I'm not quite as bad as that person, so they kind of need God. And we, we kind of elevate ourselves. And we forget actually where we came from. Each one of us were like filthy rags to our wonderful Lord. But in his love, he reached down and rescued each one of you. Each one of you was rescued. Each one of you was set free. And God would say, oh, just catch that heart and just take it. His heart breaks for what he sees happening out there. Ours should too. But do remember, we are called, you probably heard it said many times, we should love the sinner but hate the sin. There will be times where I will say, actually, that is wrong. And I will say that to it. That is destructive. That won't help you. I've got people who I would used to talk to, don't talk to anymore because actually I challenge them in the end. Because I, I fear for their souls. You see, they're not a statistic. They're a friend. And I fear for them. Because I know that should the worst happen that day and they haven't found Jesus, they never will. They never will. You know, I'm stood with my dad last night. Sorry. I'm stood with my dad. He doesn't know Jesus yet. He doesn't know Jesus. And last night, and I, I'm just trying to break in all the time, just little bits, little bits. Because I think one day, Dad, you know, he's beginning to talk about retirement and where he wants to live. And, and I just think, you know, Dad, I, I hope you're listening to this, actually, because I love you. And, you know, I just think, Dad, I want him to come through. I want him to come through. Anyone that I meet, I want them to come through. <coughs> Guys, we are the vessels of God's mercy and hope to mankind. It's you, and it's you, and it's you, and it's me. We're called to do that. We need to allow ourselves to be moved. And it might be that this morning God just wants to break a few hearts. Just break a few hearts. Maybe you've just put a few walls up. Maybe you've been knocked back. Maybe you've been rejected. You've shared before and you've been knocked back and hurt. And it does hurt, doesn't it? 
You know, we hear these wonderful stories, but, you know, for every story I've told you, I've probably been knocked back 20 times, at least. But I will keep going. I will keep going for that one. Because isn't that what the Bible says? Didn't Jesus go after that one? Isn't that what he did? Isn't that what the other story was? I'll go after the one that was lost. And I just think if that was good enough for our Lord, surely that should be good enough for me. We won't do any of this without his anointing. You know, I've already shared the story of this chap whose, whose leg was healed and then somebody else's. You know, without the spirit of the Lord God being, you know, as, as we read again, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news. You will not get up in the morning and just go, actually, you know, this is what I'm going to do today. I'm going to save a few people. You will never do it. You will never do it. It's God that saves. And that's actually quite releasing because it's God's responsibility to save. It's my responsibility to share the message of hope. It's my responsibility to preach the gospel. But at the end of that, it's God's responsibility to move hearts and to change hearts. I've had people say to me, so I get it here. I just really want to get it here. And I say, if you honestly, truly want to get it here, I'm going to pray for you. But it's between you and God. There's nothing more I can do for you. There's nothing more I can do. Because actually that bit is God's bit. That's God's bit. I can do nothing with that. And I love apologetics. I love arguing the gospel. I love debating. You know, all sorts of things like that. That's just me. That's my makeup. But I will get to a point where I say, but words in, they will only go so far. Without God, this isn't going to happen. And we need the anointing of the Spirit. We need the anointing of the Spirit of God. We need to be calling on God day after day, every morning, getting up and saying, Lord God, bless me today, fill me today, fill me afresh today, lead me today, show me where you're at work. Like with my dear friend Blake, who I said gave his life just a couple of weeks ago, where I said to him, I just felt God say to me, go talk to him. He'd said in the morning, see what I do in the afternoon. But how, you know, that, I'm nothing special. You only got to ask my wife. <laughs> and some of my, my friends, Steve knows me. I'm nothing special. Do you know what I mean? I'm nothing special. I'm just a man. I make mistakes. I get things wrong. You know, my breath is smelly in the morning. I'm, I'm me. I'm me. But when the Spirit of God comes... When he anoints me and he fills me, I can be so much more in him. I can be so much more. So can each one of you. So just quickly, just to finish up. So I've talked a lot about our call as a church. We are called to mission. That's why the church exists. That's our purpose. But so often there are hindrances, aren't there? You know, I mean, hands up who finds witnessing easy. There you go. Hands up who's had a story of being knocked back, rejected or rebuked when they've tried to share the gospel. Did that make you want to do it again or did that make you shy away a bit more next time? The latter. To shy away a bit more. It does, doesn't it? Why is that? Because it's rejection, isn't it? It's hurt. I think you need to hear this, that when people are rejecting your message, they're rejecting God. They're not rejecting you. Can you hear that? Okay. They're rejecting God. 
They're not rejecting you. Okay? At that point, you are representing God. When you are sharing the gospel, when you are sharing the good news of Jesus, you are offering them something that they are turning down. You are telling them of a different way that they are deciding not to go. Ultimately, what they are doing there is their responsibility, their responsibility before God. There will come a time where they will have to give account for their lives in the same way that we will. And they will be judged according to their choices. Okay, do you hear? That rejection is actually rejecting to go God's way. Now, we can take it personally. We can, because they're our friends, and we invest a lot in them. But actually, okay, we need to be released. Now, I think God wants to release a few people this morning that maybe you've been rejected. Maybe, actually, you've been rejected one too many times, and you're saying, actually, I can't do that because it hurts. It hurts. And I think God would just want to just come and bring a bit of healing this morning and say, actually, it's okay. It's okay. You know, you do this for me. Actually, who are you seeking more to please, me or man? And I think maybe we need to lift our gaze heavenwards once again. The God who flung the stars into place, you know, <laughs> created the heavens and took his time over you and me. That's the one who we should be living to please. And I find that when I get that right, on the days when I'm more focused on him than anything else, I find so much more gets added. When I get focused on these other things, actually nothing really happens at all. Nothing really happens at all. I think wrong thinking as well. There are probably some of you sat there, well, that's fine for you, you're an evangelist. Do you know what? I fought that title for 15 years. 15 years. Everyone used to introduce, oh, this is Carl, he's an evangelist. And I'd go, oh, do you have to introduce me? I'm not like that. And then we'd go and we'd pray and we'd see if someone gets saved. And they'd go, see, and you go, no, it's not true. It's just, you know, and then you go and do something else. Just, you know, because I, I, I like to show, I, I didn't like titles, actually, to be honest. I just said, actually, I want to be in love with Jesus. And I just want to follow Jesus. But actually, I also know how God made me and what God's called me to be. And there came a time where I, I had to go, actually, Lord, I'm sorry, because you've made me and you've called me to be something and I keep trying to deny the very thing that you've made me to be. And I'll tell you what, in the last couple of years since I've been that, God has just been so gracious. I gave the whole lot back to him, actually. I said, look, Lord, if it's not you, I give it all to you. The whole lot, I lay it all at your feet. Don't want it anymore. If it's not right, you know, hear me right. I don't want it anymore if it's not right. I gave the whole lot. We were seeing one person saved. That was it, a year. And that, that's what we were seeing. And I just gave it back. I said, look, God, maybe I'm the wrong man for the job, whatever. And God just said, well done. Well done. I'm the man for the job, as in him. Now watch what I do through you. And we've seen some amazing things this year. I think, I mean, we're seeing, I've lost count, we've got a baptism service coming up soon, and most of these people have been saved this year. And we're just so encouraged, we're saying, God, you are so gracious. And most of them I haven't led through, which is just brilliant as well. Because it's the church. We can all do it. We can all do it. And so the wrong thinking is actually that you can sit there and say, well, that person's good at doing that, but I can't do it. But if God says that each one of us is to be involved in his mission, then we can be. I'll tell you one more story just to finish up. We have, um, we have a coffee, a mums and toddlers group. We call it Coffee and Play. And uh, it's been running for a couple of years. And the guys came to me and they said, Carl, we're really struggling. We're not sure whether we need to be running it anymore. We're, we're, we're not kind of seeing the things happen that we want to see happen. I said, okay, well, that's great. And did the usual thing. We sat down. We went through their vision and said, you know, what is it that you're looking to see? They said, well, 
first and foremost, we're doing it because we want to see people saved. That's ultimately where, where it's all going. Then within that, we want to bless people. We want to have a safe place where people can come and, and bring their children, make friends, hopefully you know, bridges into the church, build relationships, maybe debt counselling and all the other things that we're involved with. And that's what we want to do. But ultimately, we want to see them saved. I said, OK, why is that not happening? And she said, well, actually, the people that are running it are also, you know, are responsible, are good at talking to people. They're also making the coffee and they're putting out the toys and they're doing all this and they're running around like mad. So we don't get the time to talk to anyone. So we're not building relationships because we're not building relationships. We don't feel it's getting anywhere. So she says, well, actually, what we need to do is find someone that's called to mission, but is willing to come and make teas and coffees. So I said, I'll do it for a week. And a couple of other people agreed to do it. And over four or five weeks, we developed a team, a rotor of people to turn up, put toys out, and serve tea and coffee. What that did was release the people that had a heart to sit and just build relationships, that they were released to go and sit alongside people. And within four weeks, someone was led to the Lord. Because the balance was redressed. But do you see that everybody was involved in mission? And wrong thinking can creep in sometimes. It can because we can think, actually, that's all well and good for that person. You know, he's good at preaching, or he's good at doing that, so therefore it's over to them, but I can't do anything. Actually, we're all called to mission. Everything we do should be for mission. Church is here for mission. So when we're serving teas and coffees, we do, you know, when people come through the door, we welcome them, we love them, we embrace them. Why do we do that? Because we are God's shop window, in effect, aren't we? Aren't we? Some people say to me, oh, what sort of church do you go to? Do you go to a happy, clappy one? I said, I most certainly do. I certainly don't go to a glum, morose one. (laughs) What would you prefer? Would you prefer a church where I just sit there like this? They said, well, no, that'd be really boring. Well, yes, it would. I'm excited about Jesus. I love Jesus. He's done wonderful things in my life. So I go to a great church. You know, now, if you don't like that, well, that's up to you. And we've got some people who say, well, I can't do small group. That's a bit deep. Well, we might have something else for you. So we look at Alpha, we look at Christianity Unwrapped. Or it might be, just take them for coffee. You know, I find them with guys, actually, um, they like neutral territory. Thinking, how do we see more men come in? So I go and meet them at the coffee shop. It's great. You know, coffee, I love it. I mean, I, I, I'm a coffee addict, so I don't mind saying. So I go and get a coffee and have a sit and a chat with some of these guys. And, and we, to the point now with a guy in Starbucks, he says, oh, hello. And uh, I, I took the Salvation Army leader there recently because I said I was meeting Starbucks and we walked in. I got talking to the guy again behind the counter. Tim said, do you, do you come here very often? And the bloke behind the counter, before I'd even had a chance, he said, twice a week. <laughs> there we go. So. <laughs> there you go. Just being out in the community, talking to people, spending time. Mixing. Let's break down this wrong thinking. And let's break out. Can we, is that all right? Can we, I'd like to pray for you. Is that okay? Can I, can I pray? Can I ask everyone to stand? The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news. The Spirit of the Lord comes to help us bind up the brokenhearted. He comes and anoints us and gives us all that we need so that we can go out into the world and bring that message of hope, that message of hope that the world so desperately needs to hear. But, you know, it's the same Holy Spirit that doesn't, isn't a spirit of fear, but it's a spirit of power, of love, and of self-control or of self-discipline. Listen to that. It's a spirit of power. It's a spirit of power. You can lay hands on the sick and they can get healed. Jesus didn't say give it a go. He said go heal the sick. That's what he said. He said go heal the sick. You can do it. It gives us a spirit of love. If we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, he will break our hearts. He will open our eyes 
to see what's going on in the worlds around us. As we look at people, we won't see them as objects. We won't see them as projects. But we will see them as the Lord Jesus sees them. Created in the image of God. Made for eternity. I do believe God just wants to minister to maybe one or two people. So maybe you've struggled or suffered with rejection. You've been knocked back in the past. And you just think, actually, I'm not sure I can do this. I think God just wants to bring healing this morning. I said, all right, so I'm going to pray and then we'll worship. And then maybe, um, you know, we can take some time just, just to pray for those of you um, that, uh, that maybe want to respond more in prayer. Okay. All right, let's just close our eyes for a moment. If you want to receive just something now, I believe the Spirit of God wants to bring a fresh anointing. Uh, to those of you that maybe if you want to be, uh, you just want to step out more. You just say, Lord, I just want to step out. I just want to see more fruit, Lord God. I've tried, but I've been knocked back. I just want to ask you now, just, just hold out your hands. The Spirit of God is coming now, and he just wants to bring a fresh anointing, a fresh touch. If you've been rejected, I want to ask you now just to hold out your hands. If you just say, actually, I'm not sure I can do this. I think God just wants to come and minister. There's grace to be found here this morning. There's always grace to be found at his cross. And Jesus just says this morning, I just want to touch you. I want to bless you again. Holy Spirit, we love you. We thank you. We thank you not only do you impel us and compel us to go, but you give us all that we need to go as well. And Holy Spirit, we just open our lives to you now. We open our hearts once again. We say, just come and touch us afresh, Lord God. Where maybe we've, we've become a bit stale, Lord God. Maybe we've struggled a bit. Lord God, and just sharing our faith. We've been knocked back. Lord, I just want to ask that you just, just stir us once again, Lord God. Just fan those flames, Lord God. Fan those flames. Lord God, put a fire in our bellies. Put a fire in our bellies, Lord, that will not go out. Lord God, put a new tenacity in us, Lord God. A tenacity to want to go out, Lord God. And just share your wonderful good news with a world that needs to hear that message, Lord God. Give us the boldness that we need, the words to say, we ask, Lord God. And anoint our hands as we lay them on the sick, Lord God, as we bring your good news to mankind. Amen.